Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. How you doing? Those are my teeth chattering. Um, there's no heat. <laughs> you know, it has often been said that we have an operation here held together by chewing gum and uh, thank you, Amy. <laughs> thank you. I <laughs> Man. Infrastructure. Excuse me, I didn't mean to scream at you. Infrastructure. It is something this country does not do well. Public sector, private sector, just infrastructure. Basic stuff. <laughs> so cold. The receptionist warned me on the way. He, he, he looked frozen. He looked absolutely frozen. Um, yeah. It's, sorry, I'm not taking my jacket off. It's too cold in here. I'm surprised you can't see our breath not anyway so um here we are it's a monday it's october it's november jeez jeez last time i saw you was october it's november 4 right tomorrow is election day i certainly hope you're going to vote this is one of those elections that democrats are famous for not bothering to vote in go vote and let's do an upset tomorrow. Let's keep up with the sort of throw them out theme. And uh, let's elect Lisa Middleman, uh, the DA of Allegheny County. Because, you know, I mean, come on. Zapala doesn't own it. He's been there for what? Decades! Decades! It's always good to have new blood. How old is he? He could retire. He could go work at a fancy law office and make gazillions of dollars. I don't know. And she's not one who's made gazillions of dollars being a lawyer. She's uh, been a public defender. Uh, that's, uh, that's different. Believe me. God bless her. So here we are. I'm going to try not to sniff in your ears. I sniffed in your ears. Um... what to tell you so what's happened since we saw each other let's see uh halloween happened and that incredible wind storm on halloween uh i i was frightened for the kids i mean because you you know you don't want a branch falling on them for that matter i didn't want a branch falling on me either i was afraid to walk the dog um every year this happens to me i get candy and uh no one comes. Um, actually, I kept looking. I kept looking out my window, eager to get rid of this candy because otherwise I knew where it was going to go. Yeah. So I finally see someone ringing my across-the-street neighbor's doorbell. And... I thought, oh, good, good. And then they turn around. It looks like he wasn't home. They turn around, and it's just a, an adult. At first, I thought it was just a woman. I thought, huh? And then I saw she was carrying a young child. And she came down my neighbor's driveway, and she looked left, and she looked right. And I went tearing out of my house into the rain and wind and said, here, come here. And she did. And I tried mightily to empty my entire hoard of candy into her little two-year-old who had a little teeny orange plastic pumpkin. I tried, I tried to fill it, really, seriously, till she called me. Stop, stop, really, stop. That was it. That's what I had. And of course... Later that night, I ingested what probably must have amounted to about uh, five candy bars. Damn. So anyway, hope your Halloween went well. 
What else happened? Ah, Friday, I was with friends. Nice time, dinner, convivial conversation. I return home. I turn on the TV. It's Bill Maher, real time with Bill Maher. Now, I don't know how you feel about him. I used to really enjoy watching him, and I don't anymore. I just can't. Um, But the show was just getting underway, and he was uh, about to introduce his first guest. And I was just undressing, getting ready to get into bed. And then I heard him say a name and the audience clapping. The name made me do a quick turn to the television because the name was my friend from Hebrew school in the 50s in Green Bay, Wisconsin. That's who he, that's who Bill Maher said, and Jay Gordon. thought, what? It was Jay Gordon. Damn. Yeah. That was weird because he was there. I mean, I've seen him a few times. I know he's a pediatrician to the stars in L.A. And damn if Jay Gordon doesn't turn out to be not quite an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> but uh, now, I don't know, a sort of middle-of-the-road fudgy kind of if people don't want to, they shouldn't. I mean, yeah, sort of an anti-vaxxer. I was stunned. Jay Gordon was um, my telephone friend. Uh, I realized as I was thinking about him later that night that when I was a kid and when I was growing up, I didn't like girl talk. That when I was with girls, my girlfriends, and pretty much that's who you hang with, you know, when you're when you're young, uh, you, genders pretty much seem to separate. I think, don't they? So it was my girlfriends, and I found girl talk, and still do. Mind-bogglingly shallow and uninteresting to me. And I was trying to figure out where did that come from, and I think it came from the fact that I grew up in the 50s in a very male-dominated house. My brother and my father set the conversational tone, and it was way up there, and it was about politics and history and philosophy, and I enjoyed conversation. But talking about hair and who likes who and who's doing this and gossipy stuff, I just never... And to this day, still didn't. So, getting back to anti-vaxxer, can't believe it, Jay Gordon. He and I, we hung on the phone for hours in middle school and into high school because he, too, was more serious about conversation. Um... Damn, see what going out there to California does? I mean, he's a smart guy. An anti-vaxxer. And clearly, so is Mar. There's something about living in California and being one of those so-called woke, progressive types out there, new-agey, that you just become a friggin' insufferable idiot, I think. I'm, I'm heating myself up. Who knew just talking about Jay Gordon would make me hot? I Not in the way he would like. All right. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So what we got? I, you know what? I don't know. I, I have a confession to make. I cannot follow the day-to-day anymore. I can't. And so I find myself, and this is really a first, 
literally flipping through pages of newspapers t looking at headlines, totally uninterested in the stories. The impeachment stories, the process stories, the subpoenas, the who's not showing, the this, the that. And I... And then the polling stories. <laughs> Those are the two, right? And I just, I don't know what that means. I especially, I don't know what, what that means for like the future of a program such as this, in which I think you expect me to pay attention to that stuff rather than talk about Jay Gordon or something. But I, you know, again, it is like a soap opera. And I never, under, I never understood how people could watch a soap opera day to day to day when the storyline barely moves, if all, if at all. And that's, Jesus, my hands are cold. I, but, excuse me while I sit on them. Um, so I don't know what to say. I'm having um, some difficulty finding. Uh, topics that I want to that I want to talk about because I just uh, it ain't my it, it, it's not something I feel I need to do even for this job to do the day-to-day -day. because it's we're in for a long long haul here so, and I and I do keep uh, really looking mightily for other things to talk about, um, and I have one, and it's because I've been reading some uh, book reviews, and there's a new biography out that seems very interesting, especially for folks who like biography. I I sort of do, but I I think often they are they. They're too long, and this one really looks like it's too long. It's almost 800 pages. I mean, come on. Is there an editor around? You know, if you want to know about somebody's life, you don't need to know minutia. Anyway, the life in question is Thomas Alva Edison. The book is Edison. I have seen a number of reviews, and just in the reviews... Uh, there's little snippets of information that are uh, fascinating uh, to me. My sense of uh, Thomas Alva Edison um, for some time is a clearly extraordinarily brilliant, but also a total jerk. And apparently from these reviews, I was correct in those um, assumptions. Unbelievably brilliant, a totally awful human being awful husband, awful father, awful employer, awful human being, but extraordinarily, prolifically creative <laughs> and obviously inventive. Uh, he just did not care about people at all. At all. Where's this thing I read in one of them? This, this blew me. Listen to this anecdote about Thomas Alva Edison. When he was a kid living uh, down the road over there in Ohio, when you drive, when I drive through on the Ohio Turnpike, you pass some kind of a commemorative thing where... Um, it shows that this is where Thomas Edison, I guess, grew up somewhere. Anyway, so the young Thomas Edison uh, was with a pal, a friend, and they were uh, doing what kids do. They were swimming in a creek near their house. And uh, Thomas's friend failed to surface <laughs> at one point. Thomas Edison waited for what seemed a reasonable time for his friend's head to break the water. 
and his friend's head didn't. So Thomas Alva Edison went home. Said nothing to his parents, said nothing to any anybody. Later that night, when uh, the family saw lanterns uh, in the fields and obviously people searching uh, for for something, did Edison, I guess, rouse himself from his his self-involvement, to get out of his own head for a second, to think, oh, I wonder if they're looking for <laughs> for Johnny. And so he told the authorities that they'd find Johnny at the bottom of the creek. And he showed no concern remorse, anything, as his pal's body was pulled from the water. This is not a nice human being at a very young age. Another thing that I knew, he was a son of a bitch, about the only friend he had was Henry Ford. And Henry Ford was a son of a bitch. What are there? Are there good people who alter the world? Are there good people who change history? There must be some, right? Henry Ford was just in love with Edison. It was Edison who, uh, the reason when you pick up a phone you say hello, that's Edison. Did you know that? I did not know that. Uh, that's not what uh, Alexander Graham Bell had wanted. Uh, Bell had preferred <laughs> Ahoy! Well, it would seem perfectly normal if, in fact, Ahoy had been, but uh, Edison uh, thought, um, uh, hello. And hello it was. Over a thousand patents, movies, phonograph records, stock tickers, gummed tape, stencil pens. Actually, all you people with tattoos, he invented the, 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 the you would never otherwise would have your tattoos. Cement, you name it. Oh, wait, I wanted to tell you this. So Henry Ford was so in love with Thomas Alva Edison that when he heard Edison was dying, he insisted that Edison's dying breath be captured in a test tube. And it was. And it was given to Henry Ford, who put it in his little museum. Is there a caller on the line? I'm sorry. I'm Hello, caller? Hello. Good morning. Hi. Hey, good morning, Lynn. Yeah. Hey, good morning, Lynn. Hey, yeah. Lynn, I got some good news for you. Yeah, well, I was you were talking. I'm talking right on your, your subject this morning. You said, is there anybody that's done anything good in the world? Or anybody positive? In the... Saw a movie last night with my wife called Harriet Tubman. Oh, my God, Lynn. Yeah. Blew us away. A plus. Got to see it. Okay. Harriet. Uh, you'll be amazed, Lynn. Okay. Pardon me? Yeah, okay. Yeah, there are uh, good people who yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you see the movie though, it's it's it'll it'll blow you away. Uh it's it's done re very well. It's it's 
my wife and I were just, like I said, I'm going to knock our socks off. So we thought, too, we, just like us, we contrast with the way things are now. We start looking around at our politicians and our leaders from corporate and from the political realm, and we wonder, is there anybody out there that's concerned for anybody else besides their own self-aggrandizement? And I don't know. Sometimes you wonder. But there's a lot of good people, too. You, there you, are. you can't focus on all the... There are. I mean, if you do, you're going to, you, like you said, you start looking at Trump and everything's not Trump and we're not all, it's not terrible. We can't, you can't start thinking on that. It's a frequency that you go on to with Trump and it's bad, it's bad, bad frequency. Which is why I can't, yeah, I just can't do it day to day. You know, he has sucked the air out of the room, out of the country, everything. Out of everything. I was with a friend over the weekend who, uh, another, uh, you know, friend from school, uh, grade school, and we hadn't seen each other in, in a long time. And my God, if not within 10 minutes, we're talking about Trump. And I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> wow. Can't even talk right. to my friend of, you know, 65 years without him inserting himself. But I mean, he is the well, he is the president of the free. I mean, he is the president of the United States, though. So, in a way, if we don't talk about him, it's almost like I, well, I'm well, we're both obsessed with politics, and to me, you you're neglect if you don't care about anything. But then me, me, me and my wife talk about things. People are working; they don't have time. They're they're involved there. They have a lot of things on their plate, and like you said, they just can't listen to all this all this noise with with the politicians. But they're doing they're doing dastardly things behind the scenes. Well, if we dastardly don't pay attention, things, they'll, they'll, if we don't if we don't pay attention, which is our job as a citizen, right? Um, they will do more dastardly things because we're not paying attention. And with fewer um, real journalists out there, newspapers, local newspapers, keeping an eye on our elected officials. Uh, fewer and fewer of those are around, and so I'll tell you, the dastardly deeds are going to grow and grow and grow. I'm and, and what Trump does best is separate us all more further. Right. He loves to throw division and poison everywhere. He loves it. He, that's his favorite thing. He'd probably like Thomas. Okay, but we got to be okay. okay. All right. right. We'll, Thank we'll, you, we'll though. Go see Tubman. Let's go, go see positive. Harry. Let's, let's, let, and you'll love the movie. Okay. Thanks, Thank Lynn. You. Thank you. Talk to you. Thank you. Bye, Bye now. Bye. Yeah. Um, some other stuff on Edison. Uh, he... When he was a teenager, he, he started his invention. His first major invention was a quadruplex telegraph when he was a teen that allowed stations to send and receive messages simultaneously over the same wires. And that already made him a ton of money in his teens. Obviously, a lot of brilliant minds wanted to work with his uh, brilliant mind, and one such man uh, said this. I'm going to read you a quote. When I saw this wonderful man who had no training at all, no advantages, and did it all himself, I felt mortified that I had squandered my life ruminating through libraries and reading all sorts of stuff. So here's a young guy, an immigrant, who comes to work at Edison Machine Works in New York City to work with this genius and sees that the route he took to become educated was a waste of time because Edison was not educated. The quote I read is from Nikola Tesla. who didn't think Edison was a wonderful man after working for him for a rather short time. Uh, Tesla picked up and uh, left. Edison ate only six ounces or less of food per day. 
He barely slept. He bathed irregularly, shaved irregularly. His suits were stained and clownishly baggy because he feared that tight clothing could cause, could cause internal bleeding. Doesn't sound so smart there. He considered his almost, uh, he was deaf, definitely in, in one ear, totally, and maybe not so good in the other. He considered this disability an advantage because, to quote him, it has preserved me from the distractions of a noisy world. So he felt his ability to focus had something to do with his deafness. I don't know. So now there's all these movies coming out. There's a movie, uh, The Current War, right? That You see ads for that. And that's uh, certainly, I guess, Westinghouse figures in, in, in that, and Tesla must, and Edison. I don't know if that is historically uh, accurate or not, but uh, Edison was a son of a bitch. He, um, <laughs> he disdained anyone who was poor because he felt, I did it, I did it all by myself, made myself a rich man, and consequently, anybody who was poor was, must be a lazy uh, bum. He paid his workers <laughs> nothing. But he had a head that would not shut down. An amazing mind. Not a good heart. Not a good soul. An amazing mind. Listen to something he said about energy. And again, he was right. This scheme of combustion in order to get power makes me sick to think of. It is so wasteful. Sunshine is a form of energy, and the winds and the tides. There must surely come a time when heat and power will be stored in unlimited quantities in every community, all gathered by natural forces. I'll do it myself if someone doesn't get at it. It's not that he was an environmentalist. He was just always looking for the most efficient <laughs> way to do something. All this combustion in order to get power. So wasteful. There's sun. There's tides. There's wind. So, I just wanted to say that. Um, interesting character. Who changed the world. Uh, little Tony writes, I read an article in the Post-Gazette yesterday that the Parks Conservancy has spent $634,000 plus another 80000 towards their goal of raising all our property taxes <laughs> to improve the parks in Pittsburgh. The Parks Conservancy is a private, it's a public-private entity. I don't know, it fudges a little, sort of straddles. But yes, it's a private entity that no one voted for, says Tony. Over a half million dollars? I bet they could have done a good deal of improving parks. 
with that money. Shame on them. And shame on Bill Peduto for supporting this tax increase. Uh, Ryan Dito, who you know shows up here on Wednesdays, um, had an interesting uh, observation. I think it was Ryan who wrote it about how, speaking of Peduto, our mayor, how he has come out saying he does not want any more of these plastic-making cracker plants in western Pennsylvania, polluting our water, polluting our air, making those little plastic pellets that then go on to pollute the oceans, kill wildlife. So Peduto came out very vociferously on that point. And our county executive, Rich Fitzgerald, was apoplectic. These two guys have been, you know, pretty much joined at the hip, it would seem. They have been allies uh, running the county and the city. This is a, a huge now point of contention since Fitzgerald has been somebody who not only seeks this kind of investment, but doesn't see a problem with it, doesn't acknowledge the downsides. So Ryan was suggesting, wow, is this a bromance? Possibly starting to have a little bit of a, a fissure in it. I don't know. But stay tuned. Speaking of uh, the oceans as a source of power, the oceans we pollute with plastic and other garbage, there was a report, and I've carried this around now for a week or so, so some of you might have seen something on it, but I just, I thought it was something that, you know, needed to be uh, broadcast a little bit if you hadn't seen it. Uh, climate change and the warming of our uh, oceans and uh, melting of our glaciers and all that kind of stuff is now clearly happening at a faster pace than had been thought. And so a lot of researchers are re redefining their projections of what, what we're going to see. Let's see uh, what we're going to see in 30 years. 2050. And what they found was frightening. And it's not surprising. It's just frightening when somebody actually writes it down. Their research shows that as many as 150 million human beings are right now living in a place that will be under the high tide line in 2050, underwater. 150 million people. are going to have to move. Yeah, there are things where you can, you know, put up, you can try to, like, keep the... But at some point, that ain't going to happen. The sea will win. <laughs> 150 million people. Southern Vietnam is gone. 30 years. More than 20 million people in Vietnam alone, which is about a quarter of their population, live on land that will be under water. Much of Ho Chi Minh City would disappear. Shanghai, 
one of the big economic engines of uh, Asia, the heart of the city of Shanghai, and many cities around it are also threatened with oblivion. The people who wrote the report said, yes, it behooves the cities and these countries to immediately invest in anything that will stave it off for decades, let's say, uh, in you know, seawalls and uh, other barriers. But these kinds of defensive measures can only go so far. New Orleans, you listening? Much of Mumbai, good God, India's financial capital, one of the largest cities in the world, is at risk of being wiped out. And the research shows that unless these places start preparing right now for relocating citizens, there's going to be big trouble. There is little modern precedent for this scale of population movement. And you'd want to do, you know, and here's always the problem. Humans don't react to something that's going to be in 30 years. They wait too long. We invariably do. And the political upheaval, this kind of thing, will create the social upheaval, the destabilization of uh, cities, countries, So this is, I mean, this is, yes, it's an environmental issue, but it's much more than an environmental problem, <laughs> much more, and always has been, because it will lead to a need for incredible humanitarian response. There will probably be wars there will be security issues. Just saying. 150 million. And we just keep whistling past the graveyard. Just amazing. Human nature. It's amazing. We ain't as smart as we think. Robert Provine won't have to worry about any of that. He's dead. This is my obit. Robert uh, Provine. He was a, uh, a scientist, too. He was a researcher. He was studying nerve cells eight hours a day, sitting there in a lab in his little white coat. And, and then he made an observation one day. And had nothing to do with the microscope he was looking through. The observation was, I'm sick of this. <laughs> Is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? God, I'm sick of this. And he did what very few people are willing to do. He chucked his entire uh, you know, what he was doing and decided he was a researcher. So he said, I, I still want to study. I'm a scientist. I can't help it. But I'm going to study something more fun. So he decided to study laughter. And you know what's fascinating? There's not a lot of information on laughter. It's an area ripe for study. In fact, scientists are not even um, 
and psychologists are don't really necessarily agree on the purpose. You know, the there must be some kind of a, a purpose in this uh, world why we evolved with this ability to <laughs> we're not the only animal uh, that laughs chimpanzees laugh as well but if you think of laughter I mean it's not necessarily because someone told a joke I think most laughter is nervous laughter most laughter is, <laughs> it's, you know, just sort of tee-heeing to fill up an uncomfortable silence. Um, so Robert Provine decided we got to figure out what makes people laugh. And he enlisted, I mean, had to have been over the years, thousands of graduate students <laughs> and he sent them out into the world and had them lurk around in public places essentially spying on all of us notebooks in hand at shopping malls at street corners and 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 recording what made people laugh when did laughter enter the the back and forth? And so they came up with thousands of remarks that preceded ha 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 ha. And what they found, contrary to what everybody assumed they would find, was that laughter is rarely a response to a joke to a funny story. That's not what laughter was about most of the times. Most laughter follows a totally banal remark. So how you doing today or something? <laughs> well, I'm. so we're laughing for, I mean, so I don't know, you know, he, he wrote a book finally, called Laughter, which um, spelled out the theory he finally uh, arrived at, um, that it was really broadening what laughter's function is to us. And, you know, you can boil it down to it is a social signal that bonds people and sets the tone for group gatherings. It's one of the ways laughter keeps us, I guess, from killing each other. <coughs> Although laughter can be aggressive, can be intended to exclude people, derisive laughter, So I, I don't know. He even looked into kinds of laughter. And here's a quote from him. All of us have encountered people with bizarre-sounding laughter. Do these odd types of laughter run in families? This is how a researcher thinks. If so, what is the nature of its development? Remember how people got on Hillary Clinton for everything but her laugh? That was something that made people not, well, they were always looking for some reason that they could say, her laugh! Anyway, this guy looks like he should have um, been looking at laughter. He looks funny. He looks, you know, he's a little jolly looking. And uh, apparently those who knew him say he was... a uh, a wisecracking <laughs> presence who who loved to laugh. But I like him most because 
of that mid-career realization sitting there in front of a microscope. I don't want to do this anymore. That's uh, Robert Provine, uh, dead at the age of 76. An authority on laughter. Have I mentioned you know who? I have, sort of in passing. But I'm, you know, I, sorry, I just can't. Although, did you see, did you see, um, him and Melania uh, passing out candy to these little kids in uh, costumes. Did you see he was, there was a kid dressed up as, I think it's a minion, right? Is that what it is? A minion. Now in the Jewish religion, a minion, (laughs) spelled differently, but I hear minion and I think 10 Jews, you know, you gotta, you need for prayer. No, but this is M-I-N-I-O-N, a little minion character. And the the kid must have had a bag. I mean, I don't know. The president put this candy on the kid's head. He put it on the... He, and then Melania goes and does the same thing. I mean, wh- what is with these people? And then the kid turns to walk away, and the candy, of course, falls off, his, just slips off his head and onto the floor. But I read something about the White House Halloween party that I hadn't seen. This is new for me. So there was an actual party going on, and this was at the executive office building. And... Um, the vice president was there. He was making paper airplanes with kids. And uh, the president was there sort of for a little bit. And um, the kids were being encouraged to play games. And one of the games was the kids were given construction paper that looked like bricks. It had bricks printed on it. And they were told to build a wall with the bricks. And so these kids, and put their name on it. Large letters on the display spelled, build the wall. And these kids, little kids dressed as superheroes and stuff, were, were taping bricks onto the wall. And alongside the wall were signs, including one that read America First, which is, of course, a slogan that Trump uses, but also is a, a slogan that was used by the KKK. So this is uh, Trump's Halloween party. And the other news from the weekend is, of course, that his wall, where it does exist, is already being breached with no difficulty whatsoever with smugglers literally just cutting <laughs> cutting through it, uh, cutting holes in it and passing on through. Build a wall. We have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello. Hey, Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Hi, Mike. How's it going? It's hey, okay. I have an idea. Yeah. Since you don't want to talk about Trump on Mondays, why don't you assign us all a movie to go and see, and we can see it and talk about it on Mondays. Because you, you, I saw it? the movie Circuit Circuit War? Current War. The Current War, that's right, Current War. Should just It really should be Circuit War because it was about which is AC, better, DC. AC or DC. Right, right, right. Right. And um, and it was okay. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but it was okay. There wasn't enough context, and what an accomplishment that was. Yeah. I mean, for the entire population of the world, the only light we had was fire. And these two, almost three guys, invented this system that you didn't need fire anymore. I mean, 
that was not even for a second covered. It was just like, oh, wow, there's a light bulb, hoo-hoo, you know? And, but it did go into how Edison was not a nice guy and how... Tesla um, was. Tesla was. Tesla. Yeah, yeah. And the, who was the other? Edison, not Edison and... Westinghouse, Westinghouse was a good guy, And Westinghouse too. really did... Yeah, he was a really good guy, too, though he did do something shady in the movie, and he felt bad about it, but... Um, <laughs> So it, there was very little context about historically what this meant, huh. which annoyed me. It was more like a personal dynamic between the two of them, and I'm sure they had it, but it was just okay. You know, I have to tell you, we, we have to really be careful about getting our history from Hollywood. Uh, somebody you know, suggested earlier that this film about Harriet Tubman was was awfully uh, good. And, you know, I just want, you know, I'm sure, but are any of these films really historically uh, correct or is license, artistic license taken? And you know that artistic license is taken. So. And can context really be applied within an hour and 20 minute movie? You know, because if I had made that complaint to the, to the, producers they would have said we only got an hour and 20 minutes what do you want from us but so can that be done in the amount of time the movie has to be made and i would guess no can you think of but if it makes someone go and google her yeah yeah that is true and i find context i'm wondering i'm trying to think of movies historical movies that really were pretty spot on uh, do they exist i'm sure they're uh, they i mean hollywood has to obviously tidy things up to fit it into exactly what you say you know an hour 20 or two hour uh hole but um i think a lot of us do have our sense of historic events uh f- from hollywood and and we're they are not good history necessarily i don't know i don't know there may be good movies but not necessarily good history uh the mr rogers movie's coming out real soon are you intending to see that not really it'll just make me sad i mean from somebody who knew him and met him to see tom hanks do it it just makes me sad and i don't know if joanne approved it or not but she did i don't know it just makes me sad it doesn't make her sad, um, but I know what you mean because it. I've watched the um, documentary three times yeah, about him, and I cannot. Aww. And sobbing the whole time. I mean, I just cry through it because I miss him. We miss him so much. But yeah, having someone you knew played by yeah Tom Hanks. Um, I don't know, but I know I'm going to see it because um, uh, Joanne kindly invited me to the um, Pittsburgh premiere, so I'm going to go. Well, la-di-da, aren't oh, we fancy yeah, and I'm la-di-da. Well, that's nice. <laughs> Do you need a plus one? I'm kidding. Um, I saw the Judy movie. It's right on the line of that. Okay, well, that's someone another Someone said, one. how is the Judy I mean, movie? Yeah, that, that's another one. I don't want to see it because... You can't play Judy Garland. Let me. I'd rather watch Judy Garland. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, and she sings perfectly fine for someone but who's not really a singer. Yeah, but she can't it's not sing Judy, like Garland. Judy Garland. Right, exactly. So it's weird watching somebody who sort of looks like her, much prettier, but sort of looks like her, trying to be her when we've all seen her do this stuff. Yeah. It's just weird. Maybe if somebody didn't know her, it would be fine or hadn't seen any of her stuff would be fine. It's just weird. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of all. And it also makes me mad. What? Because there are women on Broadway who who are Broadway stars who could play that part and really sing like Judy Garland. Yeah. There are a few musicals where Judy Garland has appeared and actors have gone in. Um, the, the one from um, from Oz with, um, uh, but anyway, um, 
Sandra Block, I think is her name. She did Judy Garland. It was amazing. But that also makes me sad, too, is that Hollywood, even when there's talent that could do it, they get Renee Zellweger or that poor woman who was in La La Land who won an Academy Award and she literally (laughs) couldn't sing and couldn't dance. And I mean literally could not sing or dance. I so hated I wa- that I walk movie. out of very few I, movies. That uh, one I yeah, walked out of. Yeah, I almost did. I should have. I really hated it. And didn't it win? Oh, no. It, that yes, the, she won Best Actress. Ah! But, but didn't, for wasn't her, that the uh, year? Inability to point her toe or sing on pitch, she won Best Actress. It's weird. But didn't isn't that the year they you announced know, La La Land Street. had won and it hadn't? Do you remember? Wasn't that the? Say that again. Wasn't that at the Oscars that they announced La La Land had won and it hadn't? Right. That was the one where um, Faye Dunaway and some um, what's that guy's name? Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty got the wrong got the wrong Envelope announcement. All right. And who, yeah. uh, who had really won? Two octogenarians up there. Yeah, who had really won? Moonstruck? Moonstruck, oh, Moonstruck or Moon something? Which was, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it, that was good. It deserved to win, unlike La La Land. <laughs> but you should do that. Why don't you sign a movie for us to go see? I don't want and then to... those of us who have seen it. Or we can There's just... no movies out between now and you, you want to see? I... I have, you know what? I haven't seen a movie in a long time. It's true. Um, I guess. You used to go all the time. I know. I think I'm not going as much because of my dog. <laughs> <laughs> There's that awkward laugh at not a joke. But. <laughs> yeah, because, um, yeah, because... He'd miss me. I really, I become totally, you know, joined at the hip with this four-legged creature. It's embarrassing. Because we get movies ahead of you guys, and I think I'm going to go see the um, Robert De Niro, um, Martin Scorsese movie. It's getting pretty good reviews. What, the one about the Irishman? Yeah, the Irishman. Yeah. Well, that's going to be on Netflix a a month from now, so I'll just see it on Netflix. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and what you really should look for on Netflix is where is my Roger Cohen? I mentioned it that I was going to see it. I saw it, and it is so enlightening about how Trump is, plays everything. It is I can't recommend it enough. I want Nancy Pelosi to be tied down to a chair and watch it. I want everybody in the media to watch it because Roger Cohen says you never defend, you always attack. And that's exactly what Trump is doing. He's attacking over there instead of addressing the issue at hand. And um, that Roger Cohen played dirty. And guess what? So is Trump. Who's Roger Cohen? And his new... Um, Roy Cohen. I'm sorry. Roy oh, Cohen. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Roy right. Cohen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Where's my Roy Cohen? Roy Cohen. Now that's... And, yeah. Yeah. Are evil. Right. Yeah. Okay. So right. he was a horrible man and taught Trump everything. And I, when it goes, whenever it comes to TV, please watch it. It's amazing. Well, Scary, but amazing. Well, I'm so into avoidance of everything that I just keep watching, you know, movies made in the 1940s. That's what I'm watching all the time. And they were pretty good. Well, that's a shame. That's a shame because there are some really good movies and there are some really good TV shows. Okay, yes, there are. There are. Can get you out of it. All right, all right. Okay, well, hey, thanks for talking to me. And um, yeah, because the show's over. I appreciate it. (laughs) You're welcome. So assign us a movie sometime. All right. Okay. Bye, Mike. Okay, talk to you later. Bye bye. Okay, you guys, uh, that's it. Um, It warmed up in here finally, didn't it? Yeah. You can tell my hands aren't like ice. And. uh, see you guys tomorrow, and uh, Susan should be joining us, as far as I know. And uh, maybe we'll talk about something, you know, more substantive, red meat kind of stuff, okay? Maybe. Bye.
Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.